0: You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life Pullman Campus, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Hey, my name is Adam McKellar. I'm the home group's pastor for Real Life Pullman Church. It is an honor to serve with you guys and for you. Um, the Forever Change ser- series that we've been doing all summer long has been amazing, like Thad was talking about earlier. The stories that we got to encounter ourselves in the text have been, uh, they're just phenomenal. But I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when I read those stories in the text, I feel like it's a different world, it's a different time, different people, their faith was bigger. It doesn't translate very well, it feels that way sometimes. And so what we wanted to do was wrap this series up by telling some of our Forever Change stories. You got a chance to see the video and you saw just a snippet of that. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've had some people up here that have shared their changed stories. A couple weeks ago, Michael Kane, one of our elders in training, sh- shared about what God had been doing in his life. Last week, Alex, our home, our, he used to be the home group's pastor, he's now the children's pastor. He and his dad were up here, and his dad told their story. And today, I invited my new friend that I've been getting to know the last couple of weeks, who already took his sandals off. <clears throat> this is Dan. Hi, Dan. Hi. Dan is from the area. He's grown up in the Palouse. He was raised in a Christian family. He has been serving God for probably seems like forever. Um, but I wanted to bring Dan up here because he has some amazing testimonies of what God has done in his life and his family's life over the last umpteen years. So, Dan, as we start today, um, where does your forever change stories start?
1: Uh, Before I answer that question, I have a question for all of you. Um, Raise your hand if you grew up in the church as a little kid learning lots of Bible stories and did that thing. Okay, a lot of you. Uh, How about how many of you that maybe after 20, you you didn't really know God or anything before that, but you had some moment and... Encounter God after you were twenty. Couple, okay, good. All right. So, last question is: um, Have you ever seen somebody do something, or, or they've gone someplace, and you said like, I could never do that? Anybody raise your hand? Okay. So, most people. Some people didn't raise their hand, so I'm not sure what you're thinking, but we'll get into that later. Okay. So, um, you know, for my for my forever changed story, I've I've got. I look at it kind of like as a forever changing story. Um, not that it's like it happened one time and then everything else has been perfect. That's not how it's been with me. But God has like pressed me into certain areas and said, I want to forever change you in this area. And then we're like, okay, we got that. And then all of a sudden he reveals something else that I need to work on. And so I look at it as really just this continual process. And so I'm going to share a couple highlights. Um, and, uh, and then we'll go on from there. But so for me, I, you know, I was given the name Daniel. And so a lot of you, raise your hands, you grew up in the church. You probably heard of the story about Daniel the prophet and, and how Daniel in the lion's den. He was thrown in the lion's den and he acted like he was all cool and you know, kings freaking out. Are you still alive, Daniel? And he's like, oh yeah, God's got me here. And I remember growing up just reading those stories and, and thinking like, would I be able to do that? Would I be able to have the courage to stand firm and to stand strong if God put me in a situation where I had to choose? Or would I bail? Would I walk away from God? And so I really, just as a little kid, was growing up wanting to be like, I want to be able to be that courageous person, but I was just so afraid. And so in high school, I I guess I'd say probably one of my first forever change moments, I was in high school and I was, um, during harvest, I was driving a truck and I was sitting there reading this book and it was a book about a guy that got martyred for his faith, wanting to stand up for God. And I remember getting to the end of that and I was in high school and I said, I want to be like that. Not to like die or anything, but I want to be like, if God said, this is what I have for you, I want to be that guy. But I didn't have the courage. I grew up with that name, Daniel, who's got all the courage, but I didn't have it. That was really one of my first moments, I think.
0: So after you finished high school, uh, as we talked about your story this last week, you went on to college where you met, uh, met your wife, Robin, mm-hmm. and you had worked in the public sector for a while, and then you decided that it was, that God was beginning to move you in a s- specific uh, way, and during a specific direction and what you were supposed to do next in life. uh, What happened?
1: So we knew that God was wanting to take us overseas and we knew we had to do some preparation, but uh, like Adam said, we were working in different jobs for a couple of years and then knew it was time. So a couple of months before I quit my job, um, I was clearing out some blackberries on the, we were over on the west side and I got this thorn jammed into one of my, into one of my joints. And I was like, it didn't get infected, but I just, I kind of ignored it. And then realized, like, there's something actually stuck way down in there. And um, I thought, this, this is important, I was like, I thought in my head, I need to get this operated on right now while I'm still working, because I need to claim this under my, that this happened at work, because if I don't do anything, what happens if I go overseas and I end up getting arthritis in that finger, and then I can't type on the computer, and I was thinking all these things. So I literally got it operated on the week before we moved and had to pack and move down to Texas with this stitched-up finger and stuff. A week after we were there in Texas, um, I started waking up with these severe pains in my knee. Like somebody was taking a stake and they drive it right into my knee. In the middle of the night, I wake up screaming. And then in the morning, it was fine. And it started happening every night. And I couldn't sleep. And I'm like, "What? what is going on? Like, I just started getting paranoid. A couple months later, I got referred to a rheumatologist, and we walk into the office. The lady checks me out, and um, she looks at everything. She says, oh, you have classic signs of rheumatoid arthritis, and just be ready. You're going to be in a wheelchair in five years. Um, here's some information. Read it, and come back and see me next week. And I remember we just, like, walked out of that just totally numb, and I was thinking, like, God, I know that you wanted us on this journey. We're going and we just quit our jobs. Like we should have just stayed there because now I have had good insurance and we just left all that. And it reminded me of that story of Egypt when God had led the Israelites out to Egypt and they were all excited. Then all of a sudden there was adversity and they were like, why did we leave Egypt? It's better than where we are now. Like, let's go back. And it was that moment when I knew that God was saying, are you going to just trust me? I'm in control, you can't see it, but are you gonna just still trust me? And so that year it took me just, we were in grad school, uh, just continued on with studies and I was getting worse and worse, Um, but eventually I got healed. And I share that not because of the moment of that I got healed, but it's that process in the middle where I didn't know where this was all going. And God was trying to build this relationship with me. I didn't have the courage to be like, oh, I know, I'm in faith, I'll be fine, you know, whatever, God's, it wasn't like that. But God just slowly and slowly was taking me through this, building this relationship with me. And eventually he did, he did heal me. Uh, the, the doctor saw me later on and she said, you know, rheumatoid arthritis doesn't go into a remission, but obviously you don't have it now, so it's in remission and it's still there and it's gonna come back someday and, and that was 20 years ago. So, God took me through a time where he was really trying to develop that love um, that I have for him.
0: And that's awesome. So you guys finished grad school down in Texas, and you moved back up here to Washington State um, to go into the next phase of what it looked like to go overseas. And when you came up, Robin was pregnant. Yeah. So you guys were all ready to go?
1: So we were, yeah, we came up here thinking, okay, we'll have a baby, and then we'll go overseas, you know, a year later or something, and um, we had our first prenatal visit, and, um, you know, they're doing the whole ultrasound deal and all that, and I'm standing there, and I'm watching the lady, as she's checking everything out, and all of a sudden, she just stops, and she turns pale, and I was like, oh, that doesn't look good, and then she goes, um, I need to go talk to the doctor for a minute, and I'm like, oh, that really doesn't sound good to me at all. And she comes back and she says, "Um, you know, there's something wrong and you're going to have this baby early, like really early, because she was only at 14 weeks right now. And so I remember just thinking like, God, what's happening? We don't want to lose this baby. And so we just started praying, just pray, pray. Eventually, Robin was put into the hospital. She was on bed rest. She was in the hospital for a couple weeks. And our first daughter, Rebecca, was indeed born early, three months early, actually. Um, she was two pounds, nine ounces, about that big. I have a picture of my wedding ring on her upper arm, and it was loose. So she was, she was really tiny. And I remember just that, that time, she was in the hospital for three months. And I didn't know what God was going to do It was day by day, hour by hour. I had no idea if she was going to make it or not. And God kept just bringing to me, are you going to trust me? Will you love me even during this moment? Even if you don't know how it's going to work out, can you still praise me? And God gave me a verse in Psalm 62 about how He's my fortress and my rock. I felt like everything had been taken out from under me. My wife was still; she was still in bed, and 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 it was uh, before before Rebecca was born. And then afterwards, there was this whole. It was just really hard. It was a really hard time, and we couldn't take our baby home. We had to go to the hospital. Um, And and God was like, "I'm your rock. I'm going to be your fortress." You just need to trust me and hold on to me. And so I put that verse on um, Rebecca's eye so I could see it every day. But in that moment, I was really struggling. I didn't know how it was gonna work out. I didn't have the faith to be like, oh, it's gonna be fine. I wasn't there. But God just wanted to grow that relationship with me so that I would learn to be able to trust him no matter what, even if it's not gonna turn out the way that I wanted it to.
0: Yeah. So after you guys <clears throat> you got through that, um, was it very long after that that you had, that you were able to leave, or did you? Have...
1: We had several other kids after that. Oh yeah, yeah, so yeah. It was a few years later. So a few years later, you guys. Let's fast forward. Yep.
0: Um, I think you said you had three when you finally got overseas, yep. and you guys had finished your master's degree in yep. linguistics, and you were ready to, to show up and work for
1: God, right? That was the idea. Yeah. So during uh, my grad school years, uh, we both, uh, Rob and I both went through grad school and we uh, got a degree in linguistics. So basically it's a study of languages, the science of how those are working. Um, You learn all the different sounds that are possibly humanly possible to make in a human language. And I learned that there was a sound that I couldn't make which was the trilled R, which in Spanish, if you ever took, he was taking Spanish. Yeah, like something. So like you, you have to say that because if you don't, it comes out with some other weird word that you don't want to say. And so um, and so anyway, like I knew that I couldn't make that sound. I tried all the tricks, I did everything, and I knew like physically, physically my tongue would not do that. Didn't matter if I hung I hung upside down and it wouldn't work. Um, and so I'm like, okay, God, don't send us, don't have us go someplace where we have to use this sound. I could do all the really hard ones for non-native English speakers, but I couldn't do that one. So Of course, God sends us to a place where that sound is used all the time. (laughs) And so I show up at language school the first day, of course, the first hour. And of course, the teacher gives me a list of words that, of course, have that sound in them. And she says, now say all these words. And I look at her and I said, I can't do it. And she goes, well, you just need to do it anyway. And I'm like, I can't. This is not going to happen. I already know. I got all the tools. I already know that I can't do it there's not even a point trying. And she says, she got angry. and She's like, you just need to try. Just try it. I'm like, I can't do it. How can I make my tongue do something if I can't say it? So I had like weeks of just being, feeling humiliated and got to the end of myself where I was like, God, why would you put us in a place where I'm not even going to be able to speak the language I'm trusting you, I'm following you, but you put us in a place where I'm gonna not only sound like an idiot, I'm not even gonna be able to have a conversation with somebody, because they won't understand me. And I got home that day and I got on my knees and I was just pleading to God and I said, God, you either you fix my tongue or send us home, because I'm done, I can't do this anymore. And it was in that moment that I heard God whisper to me. I'd never had this before, and it wasn't like I saw this at church growing up. It just, but it happened. And I heard God just say, ask me to fix your tongue. And I'm like, what? I I can't, it's not going to happen because I know it doesn't work. It's just not going to work. And God's like, you remember that story about Moses? Moses that story where Moses complained that he couldn't talk, and I said to Moses, who made your mouth? And Moses argued with me. And Moses still wouldn't try, and I still met him, and I provided Aaron as a substitute for him. But I want you to ask me to fix your tongue. And I was like, okay God, I had no other option, so I just said, okay, God, fix my tongue. No lie, I'm not lying. I, I just said that, and I felt something happen in my tongue. I don't know, I don't know what it was, it just felt weird. And, and so I'm like, okay, and then God says, now I want you to say some words that use that sound. And I want to tell you that in that moment, that was harder than asking God to fix it because I didn't know if it was actually going to work. And in that moment, I was afraid to say, well, if I try and it doesn't work, I'm going to be more disappointed and more discouraged than if I just not even tried in the first place. And God said, just ask me. I've fixed your tongue, now try it. And so I did. And my tongue felt different, made some sounds that I'd never made before, It's not perfect, but I was able to communicate. And that was a moment when I realized, I want you to hear this. It's not like because all these great things are happening. It's the process in the middle of trusting God. He's growing this relationship to say, just trust me. I'm right here with you. That's what I want you to capture.
0: Wow, that's pretty amazing. So here you guys are in a foreign country. God has been working in your life in many ways. He healed you of rheumatoid arthritis. He, he, he took care of your daughter when she was born premature. He took care of this whole tongue issue. You must have, like, the faith that can move mountains like it talks about in Scripture. Yeah, right?
1: I, I wish. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, like I said... God's forever changing me and me but he pushes me into places where I realize like I'm still holding on or I'm afraid or I just can't see how God's going to work that out. And so like six probably about 6 years later uh we had to suddenly move to another city a long ways away from where we were in this country and um we had lost our visa so we had to move there and we'd ask God I'd, I wrote up a list of things like okay here, God, you have to answer. All, you have to do this in order to confirm this is where we're supposed to go. And one by one, God did all those things. So I saw all that, and so we moved to this city, literally with just some suitcases. We didn't have any. We didn't have anything else. We had no way to go, like buy a bunch of stuff. We just moved, and God had provided a house for us to stay in for six months. These people were going back to Australia for six months. They had a whole house furnished. Hey, we got a car you can use. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. So then about a week into that, um, Robin said, hey, let's check out this international school that's there. Because we'd been homeschooling our kids up to that point. It was really hard. And, um, and I was like, I don't want to go see it. Because we can't afford it. We have no money to do this. They charge like uh, five to $10,000 a kid for the year. We had three of them that would have gone into school. I'm like, I don't even want to go look at it because I'm just going to feel disappointed and feel worthless and that I can't take care of my family. She's like, let's just go look. So we went there, met some teachers, met administrators, and I just walked back home. We went back home and I was just like, I just wish I hadn't seen that because it was all the stuff that I wish my kids could have, be able to do, play with other kids and get into sports. The next day we get a phone call And one of the school administrators said, hey, we heard about your situation. You had to come up here really quick. And this moved to our city. And um, and we've been talking. And so we decided we're going to give all your three kids scholarships to go here for free this year. And I was like, I didn't even ask God because I didn't have any faith to ask him. I was struggling. Like, I don't deserve that. Like, I'm sure there's other families that probably need it more than we do. And I didn't feel like I could ask him. And God answered anyway. So kids got to go to school. We knew that like six months after that was coming and we didn't have a place to stay. We looked, kept looking, finally found a place It was just an empty house. Now I want you to expl- understand, it's not like here in the States you go look for a place to rent and they, usually they have like major appliances and all that that's already in there. This place was empty, literally was a shell with tile floors. They were dirty too, and we didn't even have a mop to clean it up. And so we move into this place that night, and there was like actually there was one little mat. And so my kids, a couple of my kids, were sleeping on the mat. And I was putting them to bed, and I talked to my oldest girl, Rebecca, uh, the one that was born early, and she she was about ten. And God just said, "You just need to ask her how she's doing." And I said, "Rebecca, how are you? How are you doing tonight?" And she said, "Oh, I'm I'm doing fine, Daddy." I'm okay I'm like well you know you're on this mat and stuff and she's like it's okay it's okay I'm doing fine and I should have remembered, like I'm setting myself up to get this question asked to me when I ask that question and so then she turns and she's like so how are you doing and I started to say like oh I'm doing I'm doing fine and God's like you tell her the truth (laughs) and I said you know what I'm not doing good So I'm really struggling because as a dad, I feel like I need to be able to provide for you. And here you are sleeping on a mat. And not only that, like we have no way to, to get anything. We don't have any money to be able to buy what we need in order to even live here. We have no silverware. We have no plates. We have no thing to cook any food on. Nothing. And as I'm really struggling... She said, well, daddy, think about all these things that you, God's done already. We, he got us here. He did all this stuff. We got the school and let's just pray and ask him. And I'm telling you this because I wasn't there. I, I wasn't tracking. I was like, I wish I had that faith. I'm like thinking like, how could God do that? I'm sure he could if he wanted to, but why would he do it? Why would God do that for us? Maybe I didn't plan well enough and this is why we're in it. So she said, let's just pray. And I said, okay, let's just pray. So we prayed. Next morning, get a phone call. Friend and friend said, hey, heard about your thing. You're in this. And so, um, you know, there was this teacher at the school, international school that had gone back home six months prior or so and she had been sick, an elderly lady. She ended up passing away. And so this friend's telling us, you know, we've got this house full of stuff. We haven't figured out what we're gonna do with it yet. You're welcome to come over today, just go through and look at anything you need, and we'll have some people to move it for you and just get you all set up. So I was blown away. But I just wanna be honest with you where I was at. I was blown away, but at the same time, I was like, you know what? There's certain things that we need, and I'm sure she doesn't have it, and I'm gonna feel like I have to take it and I don't want to be ungrateful, and so now I'm mad at myself for feeling ungrateful, and I'm like, I don't even want to go look, because I need, I have a bad back, and she's probably got some hard little mattress that we can't even fit on, and she probably has, like, some little tiny campus refrigerator, because, you know, she's only by herself, and, and I just had this bad attitude, so we went anyway, and uh, we get there, walk into the bedroom, And here's this queen-size mattress, pillow top. It's almost brand new, and I'm like, it probably is not very nice, you know, but I sit down on it, and it's perfect. Thanks, God. So then we go into the kitchen, and here's this big refrigerator. It's, you know, average size for the states, but uh, the person tells us, they're like, yo, um, you know, there's this other family that just moved in recently, and um, this refrigerator was in their place, and they felt like it was too big for them. So they took the little refrigerator this lady had, and they swapped it with this one. So here you go. And I was like, God, really? You, you have to really do this to me? And he, it's like, God was just telling me, I'm going to take care of you. Really struggle with that because I'm going through this thing feeling guilty. Like I, have these, I feel like I have these needs, but I feel guilty because maybe I shouldn't have these needs. I should just be suffering for God and then I'm ungrateful and all that. And God's like, I just want to take care of you. I just want to love you. And so in that process, that day, we just pointed through everything and, and had people move. We didn't have to move it. The kids come home from school, and Rebecca shows up, and she looks at everything, and she's like, see, Daddy, I told you God's going to take care of us. <laughs> we had forks and knives and spoons and water dispensers and a stove and fridge, and it was everything. We were totally complete. I share that with you because I want to be honest with you. I was not there. I didn't have the faith like, I'm sure God's going to work something out. I pray and he's going to answer. I didn't know how God was going to do it. And I also didn't think he was actually going to do it because maybe I didn't deserve it. God did it anyway in that story.
0: Yeah, I've definitely been hearing throughout the stories you've been sharing with us that there was this underlying belief that you weren't worthy. You weren't, you didn't deserve what God was going to do. And so it really made it difficult for you to, to trust God. Uh, how, how have you like dealt with that? What is, what's been going on in your life since then that God's been working in you on this whole feeling like you don't deserve what he's giving you?
1: Well, I'll say that after that moment, so God provided everything in that house during that six months time, um, my son Joshua, who was about six or seven, um, I got his implied consent to share this story. So um, <laughs> he's over there. I'm not going to point to him. Anyway, so uh, so he was in this stage of six-year-old or whatever, and he'd come up to me, and he's like, Dad, uh, I was just wondering, like, um, well, I was just wondering, like, if you well, You're just going to say no, so forget it. You know, I'm like what do you want? You know, like, well, I, I just, oh, I don't think you well, you're just going to say no. Just forget the whole thing. Don't do it. And I'm like, Joshua, just tell me. And usually I knew what he wanted, but I just wanted him to ask, just ask me. So one time I finally just got frustrated and I was like, Joshua, just ask me. I'm, I'm a good dad. Don't you think I'm a good dad? I want to be able to give you good things. I care about you. Just just ask me. You don't need to be scared. And right at that moment, God said, this is exactly how you pray to me. You don't pray thinking that you deserve to be able to come to to me and ask. You don't pray believing that I really want to actually love you and, and to love on you. And that's something that I still struggle even today, even up to today, I still have to always be reminded of that. God said he's brought me into his family as a child of his, He brought me to the banquet table where I can actually eat with him, not because of anything I did, but because of what he did with his son on the cross. And so I can enter his presence and talk to him and have a relationship with him. And he loves me because he wants to, not because of that I deserve it or I don't deserve it. But it's still a continual struggle, struggle for me.
0: Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Dan. Uh, so that was years ago when you guys were overseas. You've been back in the States for, for a while now. Yeah with the desire to still go back, what are you guys up to right now? What is God doing in you right now?
1: So it's been a struggle the last couple years um, because we have a burden to be overseas with the people that we've grown to love. And part of that burden is just that it is so dark there. If you were to take everybody in Pullman, the entire population of Pullman when all the students are here and you got say 30,000 people, or more and you looked out at it, all of those people where we work mostly almost no one you would say there's not one person that even knows jesus and in fact not only do they not know jesus they wouldn't even know someone who does and so that burden for me of wanting us to be able to be there just to be a presence to walk with jesus so that people can be able to see who jesus is is huge So I have this question to ask you. I want you to think about if God said right now in this moment, I want you to go to such and such place, or I want you to do such and such thing, or I want you to go talk to so-and-so. That one, whatever that is that you say, like, I'll do anything else, God, but I'm not doing that thing. Are you with me? Has everybody got that feeling? That's the feeling that I've had about having to stay in the States. And God has worked on that because he said, do you love me more than that desire to serve overseas? What if I ask you to stay here? Will you love me even then? And God reminded me, of the story in John chapter 21 with Peter and how Peter, we talked about this previously and how Peter denied Christ. And he'd seen Jesus after Jesus was resurrected, but then he just was like, I don't know what to do with my life. I'm gonna go fishing. Go back to what I used to do. And so this is one of those moments when Jesus had showed up after he was resurrected and he approaches Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me more than these And Peter's like, of course I do. And Jesus is saying, do you love me more than all of your previous life? Going fishing, all the fishing nets and the fish and all that. Do you love me more than that? And Peter says, yes, I do. And he says, okay, then go feed my lambs. I want you to go and share the news about me. I want you to lay that all down. And that's what God was really working in my heart and saying, are you willing to lay down your desire for serving overseas to be here in the States. And a while ago, about a year ago, and during one of the services here, that's what God did for me, and and he said, I want you to lay this down. And so when I finally was surrendering that, immediately soon after that, um, God opened up an opportunity to be part of the Benevolence Program here. And for me, I didn't even really know, I didn't know what that was, and I just, God kept like bringing it up, and I was like, seriously? I, I don't even I don't even know if I care about what this is. I, but I was like, I have to go find out, and so I did. And immediately, just knew like this is where I could use my gifts. And the best part about it is that it gives me the opportunity to show love to people who might feel like they don't deserve it. Some people that come into the co program that are looking for some financial assistance or just other needs that they have, have not been treated well. And we have the opportunity to say, you know what? We love you and we value you because God created you. Regardless of what everybody else says, we're going to be different. And I just want to challenge each one of you to think about what God might be asking you to do. You can call it safe and you can say, well, I don't want to go do that. I could never do that thing. God wants to take you to those places. It might be through like the benevolence program. It might be through the international community that's here. I've talked to a lot of people in Pullman. I grew up here, so I know what it's like. Sometimes we feel afraid because people talk differently and they got different cultures or different religions and it's scary. They need to know Jesus too. And I just want to challenge you today. Think about what God might be asking you to do that's going to be uncomfortable. And are you willing to go there?
0: Yeah. That's a great thing to transition us to our time of communion. If you are one of our servers, if you could go grab the communion trays and start passing them out, Here at Real Life, we have what we like to call an open table. And we do this, we take communion every week. And our open table means that if you sit there today, you don't have to be a member of Real Life. You just have to be a member of God's family. If you have professed that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, we invite you to take communion with us. They're going to be passing the trays out if you just want to grab a bread and a a juice and hold on to it. We'll uh, take them together here in a minute. But as they're doing that, um, Dan has some implications slash questions that he wants you guys to think about from what he just talked about in his life.
1: So, you know, as we wrap up the forever changed stories, I don't want anybody walking out of this room not being forever changed. I believe God is wanting to say something to you right now. He has it for all of us. And so the first question I have is what? might be keeping you from specifically asking God for something? For me, it was that I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel like I could enter to his throne and ask. Maybe for you, you feel self-sufficient and you don't need to ask. I don't know. You know that. What keeps you from asking God? So my second question Is that when God answers, will you choose to trust him? Even if the answer is not what you're expecting. So I've shared a lot of great stories. I had some highlights. I could have shortened, I could have talked about some like really horrible ones. But they're only horrible from my perspective. They're not horrible from God's perspective because he's got a much bigger plan. And God's asking us with a relationship, do you trust me enough? Just hold on. The story's not finished yet. So the next one is what is Jesus asking you to leave behind in order to fully follow him? And are you willing to do it right now and right here? See, when Jesus said, I want you to pick up your cross daily, daily, and follow me if you want to be my disciple. He, he was serious about that. And he's serious that it's a daily thing. So this forever changed part is not like you do it once and then everything is the way it's supposed to be. It's a daily process. God continues to keep working in us. What is he asking you to leave behind that you've been holding on to? We all have something. Something that he's asking us to do today. So I want you to think about that as we um, go into communion.
0: Yeah, that invitation to leave behind the old and go forward in the new. That's what this is all about. This invitation that Jesus gave to us that night that he was betrayed, that he is inviting us to be a part of his story, that he's inviting us to be the ones to take it forward. So as we take communion today, and as we take this bread and we remember what it was that he did for us, just think about that invitation that he has out there for you. It was on that night that he was betrayed that he took the bread. He gave thanks and broke it. And said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup, the cup of the covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink in remembrance of me. Father, we just thank you for this, this time, this morning. Lord, I thank you for the story that you have been telling through Dan's life and his family's life. Thank you for giving him the courage to be up here today to share it with us, to encourage us. Lord, help us to remember that you are always changing us. You are always working in us, around us, and through us. Lord, help us to recognize that Lord, help us have faith and trust that you will come through. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life on the Palouse. You can find out more about us by visiting us online at liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.